Hello, and welcome to the Together We Thrive podcast, Women Working with Women. I am Anne Loren, the founder of Blue and Lavender, and I am here today with Amy Jarvis. Hi, Amy. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, I'm so happy that you're here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your work? So, I, I am a yoga therapist, and this particular practice you know, being a yoga therapist is different from being a an instructor, a yoga instructor, or a yoga teacher. It's one step beyond. And my journey to this really came through observation of another yoga therapist and seeing how she took the practice of yoga, I believed to be one step further, or I should say one step deeper in the healing process to her students. And so... I had this amazing opportunity to volunteer and do pro pro bono work and the process of individuals healing from all different kinds of things. If it was something physical or something mental or emotional and using the tools of yoga to to do that. I love that. How did you um, get training for this? So I moved around initially with my, my job I was not always a yoga therapist. And so every time I went somewhere, I always found a yoga place. Uh, My journey actually started when I was living in Virginia and I saw this opportunity to take a yoga class and my job was really stressful back then. And I was just told that, hey, do this, it will make you feel better. So I thought, you know, why not? I'm gonna try it. And I couldn't really, and even to this day, sometimes it's hard to put words to how it works, but it made me feel better. It made my days easier. It released stress that I didn't even know that was there. So every time I moved around, I found a studio. When I moved here to Seattle, I found that studio and I was newly married, had a full-time job and no kids. So I I could afford to be able to go to yoga easily. And one thing led to another. It it literally just happened like that. Just one day I thought, and this person said, gosh, you would be really, I think you would be really good at this. And you've shown that you really want to study more. I offer this training. And the first part of the training is all about the in-depth study of yoga in itself. So if you didn't want to become an instructor, you could just do the first six months and then go on with your journey with this additional information. And I thought, wow, that's a great opportunity. I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. But then I kept going and I decided to receive, I got my 500 hour Vinny Yoga certification. In Vinny Yoga, Vinny means adaptive. So it's a form of yoga that is adaptive. So I never really learned routines. Mm -hmm. I learned all the postures in the appropriate way to sequence them, but each class depends upon who shows up into the room. And so as people are checking in and I'm hearing what's going on about their bodies, their minds, their emotions, I'm figuring out what's going to be the most appropriate movement for that class that day based upon those people. So I started teaching at the 500 hour level, really enjoyed it. That's where I got this opportunity to then work with another yoga therapist, where I just saw a whole new level of the tools of yoga. Mm -hmm. 
And again, one thing led to another. And before I knew it, I was in this two-year program. And within that program, it was very, it was intense. It was very in-depth, working with real people, with real issues, and helping them along their journey. So I became this support person. And I love that. And I also feel really honored that somebody is entrusting me to be within their boundary of their healing process for whatever that is. Yeah, I love that. that. (laughs) Sounds great. How do you, how have you found in your experience as an instructor that yoga can help um, the trauma body and the trauma brain and the trauma spirit? Like people who have been traumatized, particularly women, how have you found yoga to serve them? Well, one is giving them the space to even figure out which one they want to look at first. Um, I'm not in their body. I'm not in their brain. I'm not in their heart center. I don't know what's most painful for them at that moment unless they tell me. And so literally just the first thing is providing the space to be and providing and teaching how to be you don't really it's not about all the big postures and movements and what have you learning to just stay learning how to stay and you mentioned very distinctive things learning to stay in the body is very different like staying in the physical body Mm -hmm. is very different than staying in the brain body Mm -hmm. very different from staying in the heart body Mm. so you know I could say it may be easier for me to stay in my heart body and then maybe my physical body and then maybe my head body Mm -hmm. and and for others it may be a different route Mm -hmm. Um, so part of being with that journey with this person is is figuring that out that first mm-hmm. you know movement is a great way to enter into it um, or I should say uh, let me go back really just kind of being able to be okay with each other and staying in the space mm-hmm. first and then figuring out hey where do you feel safest right now so if it's the body then maybe we start using the tools of yoga and gentle yoga and gentle movement and just then correlating how does it feel to move Mm -hmm. and defining that it's just not doing a twist for doing the sake of the twist Mm -hmm. it's okay well how do you feel in a twist Mm -hmm. what is your brain so I start kind of slowly bringing the brain into it Mm -hmm. but the there's a focus there to what does that feel like to be in a twist? Does mm-hmm. it feel good? Does it just what's the word? Mm-hmm. And then slowly going, okay, where where are you now? Mm-hmm. Can you be in that headspace? What does that look like? Or and, and the answer could be no. Or it could be, okay, so you want to be in the headspace, but right now it feels a lot. Mm-hmm. So that gives me information that going that's going back to that adaptive. So I'm thinking, okay, there's a lot there. So let's let's ground. So maybe I go into breathing. Breathing is another tool of yoga. Mm. So let's ground down. So I teach 
pranayama, mm -hmm. breath work. Mm -hmm. So we move from the body to breath work. And then from there, the other form of, or a big part of yoga practice is meditation. Mm -hmm. So those three parts, the, the movement, the breath, the mind work. Mm. I love that. As an incest survivor myself, and I know I've, I've had the privilege of working with you a little bit in yoga practices, that's such a, an integrative way to approach healing, right? The trauma affects the mind, the body, the spirit. So how do we heal the mind, the body, and spirit through these approaches that that hold everything and it sounds like your approach to yoga and from my experience of working with you it really does like hold the need of kind of the body mind the heart mind like you were saying and um, the body's need to heal just in itself you talk um, a lot about intention when you begin a yoga practice how do you how do um, the intentions that your practitioners speak help you understand what they need um, or how do you help them formulate the intention so they can better understand what they need within your within the practice the time that they're with you right so you know figuring out that intention and another word for intention is sankalpa mm -hmm. which means deep desire mm -hmm. and you know figuring out what that deep desire is is hard sometimes um, I mean, really, what do you, what, how do you want to walk your life, right? And, and it could be anything. I want to walk with a full feeling of pride. I want to walk feeling each step underneath me. I want to have and know that I have the ability to create change. So when you're formulating this sankopa, this deep desire, I sometimes will say, I want you to imagine that you're teaching, you, you are in a classroom, you're in your vessel, but you're in a classroom and all your students are your cells. Mm -hmm. And what are you gonna teach to a cellular level how you wanna walk this earth? Mm -hmm. You know, what is that word? What is that short phrase? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, a lot of things start coming into the brain. And I could almost see this racing happening. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go, okay, so there could be a lot of things, right? So what's being, what is maybe a little bit more bold? What keeps popping up a little bit more? And it could be that word or that short phrase that wasn't even in the sphere of where you thought you were gonna go. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I say, I want you to go with whatever that is and don't question it. Mm -hmm. Don't question it. You don't even have to overthink it, but it may be this word that you hadn't even thought about. And that's your, that's your lesson that day that you're teaching to a cellular level. Mm. And when you get the hang of just going with whatever that is for that day, that intention, you start, it's kind of a, it's a latent practice because it doesn't happen over light, night, right? It's kind of hidden, but what ends up happening with these intentions is you'll start making decisions from a cellular level and you won't even necessarily know it until you start recognizing this pattern or this you are healing mm. or you could physically feel the brain the circuitry happening mm -hmm. 
Does this even make sense? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, intention is so, it's such a key. You know, we forget what yoga really means. I mean, yoga is, it means to yoke. Mm-hmm. And I explained that you could yoke a lot of different things. So you could yoke your breath to the movement. Mm-hmm. You could yoke your brain to your heart. You could yoke your sensation to the earth, to the back body. Mm. Okay, so you could yoke a lot of things. And so you need to, part of yoga is actually in that practice in that moment is determining what are you going to be yoking. Mm -hmm. And so I will help in the practice of being that soft lead. So very technically speaking, I would start you out with start just I just want you to start feeling your breath mm-hmm. you know so you start acknowledging oh yeah my chest does move when I inhale mm-hmm. right oh I can actually feel the diaphragm moving the ribs moving do I feel it breathing into my back so I will give these little um, leads mm-hmm. for your brain to then start paying attention mm-hmm. and so this yoking you know, you could do it again, just like I said, we, we could work with the body first, then we could work with the breath, then we could work with the brain. Mm-hmm. But the yoking is the same thing. You're kind of doing it simultaneously mm-hmm. with my help of just linking the components together. Yeah. So um, you want to link and yoke that intention. So and, you're, yeah. And how do you encourage or inspire your practitioners to not, to start yoking in your class with you and then to carry that into the world into their everyday lives because yoga as you've explained to me is a lifestyle right it's not just your time right in a studio or on the mat right so you know you you come and you do a practice for an hour or an hour and a half right and then you then you leave and you may do that once or twice a week right so what's happening the other you know 22 and a half hours of the day and so the, the practice in itself is, I like to say, what you're doing on the mat is to enliven what happens off the mat. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, mm-hmm. you, you, you've got to take it off the mat. Otherwise, why come to the mat? Mm-hmm. It's like going to the grocery store and getting all the veg and going, okay, I'm getting all the veg, this is what I'm gonna eat. But then you go home and you order a pizza. I've done that before. Yeah, right? <laughs> so you went, you, you, you went rogue. Yeah. Right? right. You go rogue. Um, it, it's, and it's a practice, right? Mm-hmm. Because you ordered the pizza, and you go and you're looking at this beautiful refrigerator full of veg, and you go, okay, I see the practice. Mm-hmm. I did a re-yoking. Mm-hmm. I, but you know what? I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to enjoy the pizza and I'm going to come back to the mat. Yeah. I'm going to come back to the veg. <laughs> back to the fridge. Right? <laughs> to the veg. <laughs> to the veg. And so, and I'll, you know, when we, when we're in class, it's a great question because, um, because even from my own experience, I'm on the mat and I just want somebody to lead me. I don't want to think. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so easy just to let, let that go. And just be that blob and just move physically and it feels good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but to stay in tune with that teacher it takes an effort right mm -hmm. and you do have to learn how to do that um, meditation is a big part mm -hmm. so just like that analogy with the pizza I'll even say you know when you're meditating when a thought comes into mind when the pizza comes into mind it's a good thought Pizza's good mm -hmm. right or your to-do list whatever it is I want you to remember it's important it's a part of what you are and who you are so I want you to acknowledge it and then I want you to come back to the breath mm -hmm. that's the yoking mm -hmm. that's when it's actually happening when it's not a failure that you went off the mat the failure is you, if you just keep running mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. the practice is acknowledging and then coming back mm -hmm. and maybe not a failure but a, a learning to break patterns right right especially as um a trauma survivor like we talk a lot about the kind of flight uh freeze or fight response and that flighting is such a experience for trauma survivors it's so normal so learning how to break that pattern understanding that you're safe now you're safe in this place you're safe in your life and you're just retraining your brain to understand like i don't have to run uh, i can stay here i can be in my body i can be with my cooking and I don't have to have my pizza like every like I can do this I can manage right. this now in a way that maybe you couldn't in the past because of the way you were treated right and, and one of the things that I when I practice with somebody is actually trying to and sometimes the client doesn't even know this yet they don't know if they're the flight or the mm -hmm. freeze and figuring that out because once you recognize that then it really opens up because then we could counterpose. Mm -hmm. So if you're somebody who flees, right, I don't even want to say it's negative. That's just part of what you know, right? right? So that tells me, oh, well, then we need to teach the counterpose to that, mm -hmm. which is the stay. Mm -hmm. So when, when the more you stay, it doesn't mean to say that you can't go run or have this feeling but I bet it changes mm -hmm. I bet the need or this that desire to like escape mm -hmm. it, it you re, you're starting to redefine it mm -hmm. I love that so when our when I got to practice with you um, at at Sumacher's Hope Aloud retreat I remember that was something that you were observing in me was that I am a runner I'm a fleer and I know that about myself and I was moving through your poses so fast and you looked at me and you were like Annie slow down <laughs> I was like do I have to because you were inviting me into a counter pose you were inviting me to be in my body to learn to stay because you're observing that I was running 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 that's my pattern and that that's what I'm trying to teach myself as a survivor at this moment is like, how do I be in my body? How do I let myself move, but in a, at, a, at a pace that's realistic, at a pace that's helpful for me and that enlivens me and energizes me opposed to depleting me. Um, and as it was, it took me a few minutes, but once I did slow down, everything started to connect and I found that experience to be that's so awesome. beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and I still am learning to integrate well, that outside of the mat and kind of in my own life. Right, because a lot of times, and I could even just talk through my own experience, you could get ahead of yourself, mm -hmm. right? So your body can physically get ahead of your brain, mm -hmm. right? Have you ever been typing and all of a sudden you realize you said the words in your brain, but it didn't get on paper mm -hmm. because your fingers were just not fast enough, mm -hmm. right? Or the opposite happens, mm -hmm. 
right? And yep. so it's, again, yoking the two. Yeah, I love right? that. Finding that pace where the brain is maybe doing a little bit of the leading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or letting and, the and, body and, lead if the brain's and, been leading for too long. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And... That is, it's a, it's a, it's almost a brain teaser. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, what? Wait a minute. How do I lead with my breath? You know, how do I do that? Yeah. And, and, it, and, and these are latent yoga tools that you do end up taking off the mat. And there's a point where you're going to even recognize your, you had those yoga moments and, mm-hmm. and it literally is a moment. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know, mm-hmm. so Something that I'm trying to work on is um, is reframing the recovery process in more positive language. So when I first entered into recovery, I was told that I needed to do my work, that it was this responsibility I had on my shoulders and I had to do this work and that it, this work was going to be hard and it was healing work and it might last me my whole life and like that was my responsibility so that I could break the cycle. And something I'm trying to reframe is like, what if we used language that invited people into a process of healing that talked about it as self-awareness, as emotional intelligence, as developing that better yoking, better connections between the body, the brain, the spirit, et cetera. Um, how, do you, how do you use language with your practitioners to, to understand that like, the work on the mat and the work off the mat is not a chore, but it's a delight. It's an invitation. Um, yeah, it's, you know, and I don't want it to be, you know, I don't want you to think you're coming to my class and, oh, I have all this work to do, mm-hmm. right? It's a process and it's a practice. I am still practicing, mm-hmm. right? I am still learning. I'm still figuring things out. And so... When you come to the mat, it is an invitation to be in your vessel. And you could choose to be in your vessel in a lot of different ways. And as far as like the languaging, I really follow the lead of that person. Mm-hmm. Because for some for some of us, you know, we come from so many different experiences. If I have an engineering person or a math person, I actually talk in ways that they would that they get Mm. you know um especially if we're working like with the body and we're twisting okay and i may say you know as the knees come to one side i want you to feel the weight like a torque drawing to the side Mm. whereas if i'm working with somebody who is in who is not an engineer who's not into math or whatnot i would never use that type of languaging Mm -hmm. so i really try to follow the lead of that person Mm -hmm. right and people come in in even on a daily basis they come to their mat differently some days they could come and their body's just literally tired or sore or whatnot from i don't know doing the gardening from the day before Um, Whereas the day before for somebody else, maybe it was a very emotionally high day, Mm -hmm. right? And so those are very different vessel, internal vessel practices Mm -hmm. that you could use similar, you could use the same tools, but the way that you're approaching the tool is a little bit different, Mm -hmm. you know? So I could use um, kindergarten scissors, 
or I could use really fine, long bladed scissors, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And so that kind of determines. So I, did that answer your yeah, question? No, that's great. <laughs> so I don't, I just, I don't use the same languaging for everybody. Meeting people where they're at. Meeting people where they're at. I love it. Yeah. One time we were talking and you talked about trauma recovery as a Jenga game. Um, like you have to be really careful about what pieces you pull out lest the whole tower comes crumbling down. And I think that's that has been articulated to me as a big fear from women entering into recovery is how do I know um, if I get into this that I'm just not going to fall apart. Um, so as, a, as a, a healing practitioner, how do you what would you say to a woman who said that to you? Like, I don't want to enter in because if I enter in, I'll lose control. How do you help them understand that they do have control of what Jenga piece they move and that, and that as kind of um, a, a helping healer, in a sense, you can help direct them to which they pull first? Right. That's a great question. And again, I... Um you know, I don't want, I don't, I would never want anybody to feel that it would come pouring, you know, dropping down. I'm so impressed that you remembered that because I didn't, <laughs> um, and I didn't think I would. Um, so, for example, let's say we're, were you, one of the tools of yoga is the movement, right? Well, the way that I would, quote unquote, not let it fall down is I'm not going to give that person a pose that's not appropriate for them. Mm. Right? I want to give them and offer them the pose that they feel the most solid mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. right? And so then you're building, right? And this could be a this could be a short process, this could be a long process, right? It could be a class where you start out um, with quote unquote what what I feel would be something that they could really ground and they feel confident in and you slowly build it up, mm -hmm. right? Um, but then it could be over a process of weeks of doing this. So, you know, it's, I want to, I don't want, I want them to kind of get little experiences of kind of pulling out mm. the Jenga pieces, mm -hmm. but recognizing, oh, I could just put it right back, mm. right? And then, but I want them to also recognize, well, let's just start at the top. Mm. And just take off that one that one thing mm -hmm. that I know that I'm capable of doing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I associate, you know, so that one thing could be, I just want you to feel the temperature of the air coming in through your nose. Mm -hmm. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Like, so she can do that. She could feel that. She can embrace that. Now, can you make it a little bit more? Can you feel the coolness going down into, you know, your heart center? Mm -hmm. Now, let's take out one of the pieces a little lower. Can you visualize that breath, that cool breath coming into your heart center? What color is that? Mm -hmm. You know, so you're taking out the piece a little bit more by viewing a little bit more mm -hmm. in your own vessel. Mm -hmm. So it's one piece at a time. And then, but then another person, they've been working on this for a long time. And then, and they decide, you know what? I am so ready. I am taking that bottom piece out mm -hmm. and we both know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I think I know how I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And so they take that bottom piece out and the whole thing 
crumbles, mm-hmm. but it's beautiful. Oh, I love that. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is, I love it. Yeah. This just, this, I can now rebuild. Right. Right. So then you start the rebuild process. Mm-hmm. So the crumbling, it's not, it's something that can happen, but it could be seen as amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, feel the energy. I mean, imagine in your mind the building that's gonna that they're gonna destroy, that they're gonna like blow up, mm-hmm. right? Because they want to build something there. Mm-hmm. If you've ever felt the energy of that, it is amazing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's not a removal of self. It's the rebuilding of self. Mm-hmm. But yes, we just start at the top. Yep. And I use appropriate yoga tools for that person to start feeling it. Yep. And then we go a little lower, a little lower, a little lower, until the day they're like, I am ready to <laughs> rock this baby to the ground. Yes. Because I feel like I have those tools to... You've built confidence kind of through the process of taking out one at a time or even testing. Like I forgot that about Jenga, right? Is so much of it's like tap, 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 and it moves too much or it doesn't move enough. And you're like, not that one. I'm not going to take that one with me, you know? Um, And so just exploring. And then after all that testing and moving and prodding and pulling at the one day, you're ready to just like take the risk and knock it all over or just put pieces back in how you want and accept that this is what your tower is going to look like. Exactly. And so every, every it's different every time. Yeah. And so I just, as a yoga therapist, my job is to support wherever you're at. Yep. It makes really no, it doesn't, I'm not involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not on, I'm not physically in your vessel. I'm not on your mat. I, I'm, I'm where you need me to be as a parameter. Like mm-hmm. where, where is that line? Mm-hmm. I could be as close in as far as way and together we figure that out yeah now a lot of um, yoga is a very individualistic practice but yoga often happens in community and yoga is a very communal expression so how do you hold um, both the kind of individualistic element of yoga and the communal element and I, and I ask because I think that's a huge part of trauma recovery too is so much of it we're doing alone, we're isolated, or we're doing one-on-one with a practitioner or a therapist. And then um, it's proven that that healing within community is actually highly effective. Um, so how do you do that as a yoga practitioner, kind of integrate the individual or yoke the individual and yeah, the communal? Yeah. So I really, um, I really recommend um, when my yoga um, um, students come into class, I, they have, a, they have two options. They could start their practice the moment they come into the class and they can come and they can lie down. Nobody's going to bother them. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other option is to socialize, like mm-hmm. to talk, mm-hmm. to, you know, make sure you know everybody. I mean, the class that I'm teaching weekly now, these ladies know each other. And when one's not there, if I don't know what's happening, they are, they are literally expecting me to be texting that person at that mm. moment to make sure that they're okay mm. so this sangha this community has really developed over time and but what I love is that when a new person comes in a big part of it is I want them to observe this mm-hmm. they don't have to be part of it right away right they could just come in and be quiet but observing this community and seeing that this community is an op- is an option, mm-hmm. 
and over time you're gonna they feel safer mm. they want to know what's going on um and and they share and they are capable of sharing as much or as little as they want but the bigger thing is nobody else is giving commentary. Mm -hmm. That's not what it is about. Mm -hmm. It's a, an opportunity to just say how you're feeling that day without any opinion or thought from somebody else. Mm -hmm. You could say you feel like crap, mm -hmm. but you're here mm -hmm. with your own efforts of feeling better and healing through whatever made you feel crappy mm -hmm. it is not the job of the person next to you to try to heal you mm. and that's really important and part of this particular sangha and in, in, in community um, unless you invite it unless you want it mm -hmm. so it's it's safe it's mm. a place where you could just be who you are at that moment and it's simply accepted mm -hmm. I love that I learned this phrase recently at a She Recovers conference, which is another women's recovery organization, um, to recover out loud. And it's almost like these women are coming to your practice and, and practicing on individually and practicing out loud and naturally it brings about community. Naturally, all those voices are, are being raised and now they're all turning toward each other and speaking together. Right. Well, and, and that in itself is a practice, right? Yep. If you're not accustomed to voicing how you feel mm -hmm. and then one day you feel that you're in a community of safe haven mm -hmm. um, and you just want to say something and even though it may sound batty or weird or whatnot, it won't because there's nobody there judging there's nobody there who's gonna step into your your mat area mm -hmm. um, to try to solve something because this is a individual practice that you you're capable of um, being by yourself but being in community at the same time mm -hmm. it's a really and it's it's very healing in the sense that um, you you get to not only do it but also observe it mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. you could come and observe it. You could be quiet if you like, but you're learn. You're still learning. Yeah, right. You just don't become friends with somebody one day. Like right. You, you, so it is. It's that practice too, mm -hmm. and learning other stories and. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's all of the above. I love it. Um, one of the things I'm working on with Blue and Lavender is to help make recovery resources more accessible. And yoga is can be expensive for folks, like often fifteen to eighteen dollars a drop-in class, or they have annual fees. What do you recommend to people who maybe can't afford that right now? Um, how do they access yoga or um, yoga practices um, or healing practices, kind of through yoga that 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 might be more affordable or might be free? Do you have any ideas? You know, um, well, the studio where I teach in Issaquah, uh -huh. our first class is always free. Awesome. What's okay. it called? It's called One Mind Yoga. Okay. And it's on Front Street. Okay. And, you know, take advantage of those type of classes and those free classes, you know, mm -hmm. even though, even if you don't have an intention, I actually still think it's a great opportunity to figure out what's out there. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, you know, check out online. There are a lot of people who are out online, including myself that do one minute meditation practices, that do um, 20 minute asana practices. And I, what I can tell you, 
you will know if you relate to that person or not. Mm. Like you will know within the first five minutes if you could even listen to their voice for another 15. Mm -hmm. You will know and just, and so check out, you know, check out the YouTube. I mean, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of crap out there, but there's also a lot of good stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would say if there was anybody who was really interested, like trying to figure that out, they could always try to, they could always call me. I'm always helpful. You know, I always want to lead people in the right direction. I mean, classes are great for the sangha and the community and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But if it's not available to you right then and there, there are online stuff. I mean, I would definitely check that out. And And there is a lot of, um, like, meditation apps. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a few of them, and I'm not paying for them. And I have listened to the same ones many times, and every time they feel a little different because I'm in a different body the other day. So those are some great options, too. And what is your business called online? Um, so my business is Enliven Here. Mm-hmm. So it's just enlivenhere.com. Okay. And is that the same on Facebook? It is. Okay. It, it is. And then on Instagram, it's just my name, Amy M. Jarvis. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'll make sure to put that uh, in your biography as well so people can easily access it. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share today? Oh, my goodness. We could, like, go on for, like, all day long. So I guess we have to stop. We don't, I mean, we don't have to. If you have anything else you want to contribute. <laughs> no, I would just keep going and going. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. It's such a privilege to be with you as always. Well, thank you, and namaste. Namaste.